This is Victoria with How to Train Your Service Dog, and I have a special guest on with me today, and that is Suzanne from New York. Uh, she and I have known each other for many years. Uh, we met at our first IACP conference, which was not her first IACP conference, and that's actually where we are right now, is we're in St. Petersburg at the International Association of Canine Professionals, which is only one of the IACP groups, because there's also the International Association of Chiefs of Police, and I think there's like a culinary profession one. There's a few of them, but ours is the dog trainer one. So we're down here and the resort is pet friendly, which is really nice because ours is the only dog training conference that allows dogs. Most of them guys, believe it or not, do not allow dogs to come. But ours is open to dogs, um, to pet dogs, and to service dogs, of course. So Suzanne brought down a buddy with her whenever she came down from New York, and that is Judd. And Judd is a five-month-old, beautiful brindle mastiff, and we actually boarded him because Suzanne and her husband, Peter, came down early, and, uh, and we got him. And we met up with them a couple times at Disney because Suzanne wanted to see what it was like working with the service dogs at Disney World because it's different than just going to Disney World on your own. Uh, so we have Suzanne here. We're going to just chit chat a little bit today. Uh, you know, if she has any questions or if I have any questions for her. But, uh, you know, we figured we would do a podcast for you so you could get in on it too, maybe learn a couple things. And if you guys have any questions, just let us know. So, Suzanne, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to be here. This is my very first time ever doing a podcast, and I am learning so much about service dog work. I am still in the learning stage, the learning process. Um, I guess we all always will be. <laughs> it's always uh, progress, and progress, not perfection, but uh um, yeah, each new thing that I learned, this is where I've wanted my career to go for a really, really long time. So it's wonderful to be with somebody like you and who has a lot of experience because I'm a very tactile learner. I am a very hands-on. I need to see it. I need somebody to guide me and say, this is correct. This is not correct. I would do a little bit more of this, a little bit less of this. That's a lot more helpful for me to learn. Okay. Yeah. And that's what people do learn different ways. And whenever you are a tactile learner and you don't have somebody close by who can give you that hands on, it's very difficult to, you know, to continue to learn stuff, to get better at what you're working on. So I know that you had done quite a bit of stuff with Judd before you came down in preparation because it was his first time on an airline mm -hmm. and it was his first big, I mean, Disney World is like nothing else out right. there. So what all were some of the things that you did with Judd to prep him for his adventure down here? Well, just to back up just a drip sure. before that, um, Judd started out with absolutely no fears, no concerns, just your typical everyday outgoing great puppy. Um, and then unfortunately, um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, he was outside doing his duty is business and uh, fireworks went off and he became very very fearful of a lot of different things so my first goal was working him with my it's actually my best friend's dog so I have kind of made him mine by proxy because I'm still not sure if I'm going to give him back and because uh, I'm in love with him um, he's just a really really good pup but I wanted to work through some of those fears and that's what we started doing taking him a lot of different places 
lived. Uh, we started working him with my dog, Riley, who I've trained, you know, uh, as my, to the best of my ability as a service dog trainer because I'm not there yet. There's still, I'm still in the learning process, as I mentioned. But knowing that we were going to be taking him on a plane, um, that was an idea that came about kind of slowly. Well, why don't you take him to the conference? And, um, and I just thought of all the amazing experiences that could bring about for him and for me. Um, we decided to go ahead with it. So we started taking him. Uh, I live on Long Island, um, so we have a smaller airport. It's not like JFK or LaGuardia, which is nonstop insanity. Um, further out on the island, you have Islip MacArthur Airport. It's quieter, it's uh, more sedate, it's more laid back. So your typical smaller town airport. So we started taking him there. We worked, started off slowly with even just the sliding doors opening and closing, which panicked him at first. Uh, going through there, um, we sat down, you know, we started with me sitting in a wheelchair and my friend just pushing and with me holding the leash. Um, and then we switched. Um, so that he would get used to wheelchairs. Uh, he would panic when people walk by with bags or when a car would pull up. So we would just have him kind of sit through that and work through it on his own. Uh, then we started going through the airport, through, you know, over by where baggage terminal is, because that gets a little busy and hectic and crazy. And he kind of had a little accident there that we had to work through. But these were all experiences. Um, the one thing that I did love about him, but I needed to double check with Victoria as well, was is this something that would make you wash him as a service dog, this fear issue? And that was something I was also really looking forward to coming down and speaking to you about because I wasn't 100% sure, you know, at what point he's still a baby. Do you make that determination? At what point do you say, okay, this is a typical fear period or this is a situational fear that he's going to work through? And at what point do you say, this is not getting better and you need to wash him as a service dog? So I was looking to you for that expertise as well. Um, well, and, here, let, let's talk about that real okay. quick. Okay, and then I can go on with the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Judd being you know, four to five months old, yes. that's usually whenever the first fear window hits, which is why we tell everybody to get your puppy out for short amounts of time between the ages of eight weeks when you bring them home and that 16 weeks when they're fully vaccinated. And that's when most people start taking them out in public. And that's the wrong time to start taking them out in public for some of these dogs because it is the start of that first fear period. Oops. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and it's something that there's no, you know, watch that is going to click and up. Here's the date that his fear period starts. Right. You know, it's something that is different for every dog. And some dogs don't go through it. And some dogs, you'll work with them and you're like, well, I don't know what is going on with this dog today. But, you know, it, it most likely could be that it starts that fear period. So you just you take it a little bit easier with them. But we don't want to make excuses that, you know, well, because of this... Uh, you know, we do want to see how he does, uh, see how we can work him through different things, um, how he's going to be. You know, the first time I took Roma into the store, she didn't want to go through because the doors automatically opened. And she was like, oh, heck no. If I said right there, you know, oh, she can't be a service dog, you know, that would be a detriment. You know, I mean, ideally, she's going to not be as afraid. So that's something we can work on and see how they do. Uh, you know, he's never going to be... He might not be. He might be. But, you know, the half-rigger Gary is, I love everybody, everything, every new experience, give me more. 
but we don't want to let this this one time in his life define him so what we like to do is keep working with him introducing him to new stuff correctly i'm um, using that name and explain of telling him what's going on uh, we were at, um, we'll jump forward in the story just a minute, but uh, the, when we took him to meet up with Susanna Peter, it was at Epcot at Disney here, and we get out of the car, and we, we're walking, and we hit the grassy area, the first grassy area, so we had uh, Gypsy with us, and we had Judd, so it was going to be a potty break, so as soon as we get there, before we could tell him, you know, go potty, the tram, the monorail overhead goes by <laughs> and Judge has pooped. And I don't know if he pooped because he had hit grass and he was holding it, which is what I'm kind of crossing my fingers for. And Susanna's here shaking her head saying, no, I think it scared the crap out of him. Mm -hmm. So what we did there is we told him, Judd, that's the monorail. And it goes around the park and it's super neat and people ride in it. But it's the monorail. So then he understands what it is that scared the crap out of him. And in maybe in the future he won't everywhere whenever he hears the monorail because he'll say oh yeah it's that monorail that they told me about i got it now judd is a dog judd does not know what a monorail is but the fact that we acknowledge it means it's not something super scary that he has to be afraid of okay and back to suzanne <laughs> well the other thing that i really appreciated was when you brought up the point that it also made a huge difference how quickly he recovers from it Yes. You know, that yes, he does startle, he gets scared, but then he's like, shake it off and move on. You know, he doesn't panic and go to grounds and ready to crawl under the first skirt that he could find to hide. He just, okay, it happened, and then he moves on. And a big part of that really was my friend. I give her a lot of credit, his mom, um, that she's, she's had dogs that were fearful. So she's never allowed him to settle for those she's you know her reaction is really kind of like all right shake it off let's go suck it up and move on exactly suck it up buttercup right <laughs> worst thing you can do is say it's okay it's okay it's okay here's some food it's okay it's okay yes. it's okay and that's not what we do and that's right. not what we recommend doing well it's interesting because as humans we say, you know, if you're consoling a child or another person, we use that phrase a lot. It's okay as a way of um, comforting or soothing. But if you think about it rationally, we're saying, we're telling a dog that it's okay. How do they distinguish between what I'm telling them what they're doing is okay or that this negative mindset is okay versus they don't understand that I'm trying to console and soothe them. So I'm basically reiterating that their negative reaction is okay. And I try really hard not to say, you know, oh, it's okay because they don't understand that I'm trying to be nurturing. They're just like, oh, that behavior is okay. Good, then I acted appropriately. Right, and if you give them food, well, who does pay? Exactly, for? I just got paid. <laughs> Okayed and paid. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, again, it being a first experience, I wanted to figure out a way, even though we were doing the airport and getting them acclimated to the people and, you know, the sights of the jets and the planes coming in and leaving, they're still very different from when you're actually physically on the plane. And the engines get louder and louder before takeoff and the movement underneath you and turbulence and people milling around. Um, I really had to think about how can I simulate this and, you know, make, um, make it similar experience. And so my friend and I took him on the ferry to go to Fire Island. Uh, it was exactly the same. The little plank he had to walk was just like that little runway walk down to the plane, uh, getting over onto the boat, the movement. Uh, as the When we first pulled away with the um, 
ferry, it was that low rumble, and I was like, are you kidding me? That's all? That is so not what I wanted. Oh, gosh, we just wasted all that money. And as soon as, it's been many years since I've done the Fire Island Ferry, as soon as we pulled away from the dock and the motor kicked in, I was like, oh, yes, because the motor was roaring and it was loud, and, and we kept a close eye on him and just let him work through it. He startled several times, but we kept him moving and uh, took some pictures of him, and he really for the most part, did really, really, really well. I was uh, very, very impressed. Uh, so when it did come time to put him on the plane, everything went so smoothly. Walking through the airport, we went through the doors, he didn't flinch, the cars going by, he didn't flinch, the baggage with us, he didn't flinch, um, going through security. And that was another thing, actually, I just wanted to back up and say that I called you, I called Victoria in advance and I said, I'm not sure about security because I knew the the x-ray check thing um, would scare him when that went around and I figured oh boy I'm gonna be ripped uh, he's gonna he's gonna I'm gonna be peeling this puppy off of the ceiling <laughs> when that thing goes around you know so um, Victoria explained to me at that point that you could uh, recommend the pat down as as opposed to going through the x-ray thing and I thought yeah that's probably a much I was really really glad that I did think to ask that because it's easy to remember to call the airline and ask their stuff but it's also easy to forget that the airline is not TSA and TSA is not the airline. So whatever Southwest's rules are and regulations, and, and you have to check that too because they're changing regularly uh, with emotional support and, and psychiatric and, um, and service dog. All those rules are changing very, very rapidly now. Um, but you also have to check TSA because that's who does all the security. And that's, you know, so I was glad I had that checked through. We got through relatively simple. I made sure, based again on your rec on Victoria's recommendation, I had a little blanket to lay him down on, which I also acclimated him to. I put that in his crate so he was familiar with it and comfortable with it. Um, he slept on the plane the whole way. Um, where did you guys sit way up in the front? Yes, we had the bulkhead. Um, they actually, Southwest uh, called us forward when they saw him. Nice. And they said, um, you know, in the future, come introduce yourself to us so that we can make sure you're first on the plane and get those, the bulkhead Oh, seats. that's right, because Southwest doesn't do the assigned seating. Exactly. Southwest okay. is first, you know, first check-in, first. They line you up by row A, row B, row C. So they said, come and talk to us as soon as you come on. And so now we know to do that for the return trip to make sure we're right in the front of the line so we get on the plane first before anybody else so we can get him settled and our stuff in the overhead before everybody else even starts to board, which was really, really nice. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Until I spilled my coffee on him. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, interesting. But, you know, he, he took it all in stride, and we were great until... We got to Orlando Airport, and I did not know that Orlando had a one of those trams that takes you from baggage from the terminal to the baggage claim. And I, if I'd known that that was there, I would have done the Long Island Railroad as well. So that was a little bit of a surprise. And the train went whoosh, and Judd went. <laughs> nice sound effects, I well, know. You know, but. for that too, I'm trying to think of where the Orlando has the potty breaks for the service dogs. They don't. So, well, you know, actually, when they come off of the back. planes for a while, right. 
you know, I'm sure he's not the only one. Right. And unfortunately, there was one all the way on one end and one, I take that back, I said there wasn't, but there is, but it's all the way on one end and then the other is all the way on the other, but they're in totally different terminals than when we came in. Okay. So we had to get him on, you know, a five-month-old puppy that has been holding it beautifully, yeah. but now we've got to get him through the airport over to the tram, on the tram, over to the other area, and then go down four flights or three flights just to get to the sliding doors to go outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah, no, but. I mean, and, and airlines need to adjust that because people with service dogs usually have limited mobility. They right. can't go wandering all over the place looking for where to potty. Exactly. And, uh, you know, your dog has to go potty. Like, there's been times that I've gone on my own and I with a service dog, and I meet Rich up afterwards, and we have to go to baggage, and I just give him the dog. I'm like, get them outside to potty as fast as you can right. because they have been holding it all day. Right. And since, you know, um, I had done a lot of the research, but Peter was still you know, a little far behind on uh, any of this. So he was still fumbling through. And, well, both of us were kind of fumbling through a little bit. It's difficult your first time. It is. It really, really is. Um, I did do this with Riley many, 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 many years ago, my dog. Um, But uh, it was very different then because, honestly, um, I had no clue what I was doing. Absolutely (laughs) no. At least I had somewhat of a clue because now I have friends like Victoria and a couple of other people that do service dog that I could run my questions by. I was brand new. I knew nobody and I was clueless and it was a nightmare. It was, I didn't know the question. I didn't even know the questions to ask. At least I'm far enough along in my my learning and education now that I know the proper questions to ask. But if you are brand new, it's really, it's difficult. You know what I mean? And I know there's a lot of pages on Facebook and, um, but you know, as a professional trainer, everybody's got their own opinion and that's hard. I have found even as a trainer, when I have a client that calls me and like, well, I contacted a friend of mine who's a trainer. I asked this person or I looked this up online and I'm like, listen, one trainer, one person, ask the one person for the feedback when you start getting advice from 15 different people, you've, it's very confusing. And it doesn't mean one way is right and another way is wrong. It's what each person finds eventually that works for them. But a lot of new customers don't understand that and it gets very confusing. It can be. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And how many people just, you know, well, I've always had dogs. Right. And I mean, even with the service dog twist, there's so much mis information out there. Well, you can ask this of a service dog. Well, you can't ask this of a service dog. Well, no, this is the questions that you can ask. Well, you can ask. Well, you can't ask. Oh, my goodness. It's very confusing. It really is. And, you know, it's not a solid set of rules straight across. Even um, the ADA rules. I've read them. I've gone over them. I've read your book and the highlighted parts. And there are times there are aspects of it that are very ambiguous. Oh, That are really... Um, confusing and just not straightforward that can be interpreted in different ways by somebody who chooses to you know make it fit or make it work for them Um, but in other areas it is very confusing and if you don't know people that have been doing this for years it's a little overwhelming and it's a little intimidating is a good word to use yeah. Yes, most definitely. And it, the legalese is oh so confusing. If yes. they just make it plain English, it'd be way easier to understand. Oh, God, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So you get down. Uh, you got a rental car. Yes. Oh, it just took a little bit of time. How was he whenever you were waiting for that? Actually, he was good. Good. But I also learned the importance of just because you have a very large dog or puppy does not mean you need a large bowl for water because I spilled that everywhere, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those flimsy, I thought, oh, great, I could put it right on my pants pocket and it'll be nice and easy. And I spilled three quarters of it by the time I even got from the bathroom to where the dog was with Peter. It was like, a, you know, so yeah. this has been a huge learning experience for me you know not everything has to be to scale of a large breed dog yeah and, and what Suzanne is talking about is those uh those portable water bowls that are silicone yep yep that you you pop them out and then you you close them up again she got a way big one um but yeah so so we got Judd uh they they dropped him off with us and he got to you know be part of the household we got to take him to Disney and then he they came and picked him up, and then we came down a couple days later and met him here at St. Pete. So he's been working with quite a few different trainers here, uh, you know, seeing so many different people. He was playing this morning in the dog park. So a lot of times those fear things can go away, you know, with an open heart, an open mind, and, you know, a dog who does like to play and does like to do stuff. Yes. Uh, so, you know, what he's sleeping right now. If you hear any little snores, they're him. Yeah, it's not. Snoring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's so cute. Oh, my gosh. I know he is. he is. You know, there was one other thing that I also wanted to add, and that was there are certain middle grounds that sometimes are confusing, too. Um, I tend to be very much an all-or-nothing type of person. Um, it simplifies my life a little bit. It does. But the gray areas are sometimes where things are the most confusing, and you're just not um, sure. And I'm learning, you know... Some of the stuff that I have used the dog for are PTSD issues. I'm very open type of person that I have been in recovery for 13 years uh, from drug addiction. I um, was nervous. I was intimidated by people. I felt insecure. I never felt as good as. And those insecurities do still pop up. So sometimes it's still hard for me to ask a question. Um, I'll still go through that old, you know, old habits die hard. And those old insecurities, those old nervousness, a question of, uh, I have a question, I'm gonna sound stupid, it's gonna sound dumb, or it's gonna sound immature or whatever, but you know, it's amazing as you start, as you're growing up emotionally as well as physically, and you start, um, accepting who you are more and more and I've learned that in recovery um, I've learned to have a sense of humor about who I, you know about the things that I struggle with or whatever ADHD I laugh at it um, but there you know <laughs> he's snoring really loud um, but there are times that it's uh, it, it's it's difficult and you get insecure to ask the questions and the amazing thing is that I've never been greeted with judgment or put down. And, and usually it's um, the question that I finally do ask that four other people will say, oh, I was wondering the same thing, you know, and then you feel good that you asked the question or whatever. But, you know, there was a specific question in mind that is suddenly just gone from my head. I call those fleeting thoughts. <laughs> well, I wanted to clarify, too, since, you know, we did say that Judd was so young and that he did fly on the plane. He did not fly, guys, as a service dog. Correct. He did not fly as a service dog in training. Correct. Um, he did fly. 
as an ESA, which is an emotional support animal. And there is currently no age requirements on there. There's no breed. There's no size requirements on there as long as it's a dog. Um, you know, and then different airlines have different things. But that is how he flew. Right, because he is, you know, um, he is not old enough or trained enough to be a service dog. I am not trained enough yet. I'm going to put that yet in there because I know that I will be. But for right now, I am not trained enough to comfortably call myself a service dog trainer. Um, in you know what in certain states he could be considered a service dog in training because he is training but the airlines do not cover service dog in training they cover service full trained service dog um you know and i do deal with some ptsd issues um you know i do have some anxiety uh some different things like that so i will admit openly that uh you know, having him reduce the need for Xanax on a flight because I was <laughs> much more focused on him rather than me. And that was, you know, that was important for me because I can get very stressed and overwhelmed, but I'm also a nurturing caretaker. So worrying so much more about him and doing everything right with him took me out of myself, which... Um, is actually how I got interested in this to begin with. Many, many years ago, uh, I was so insecure and so nervous. Not that my golden retriever, my first golden, was a service dog in any way, but bringing him to a nar- my first Narcotics Anonymous meeting, I was so insecure. I had no idea how to talk to people. I had no idea how to start a conversation with people. So him being with me actually opened that line of communication. Um, you know, oh, I remember actually, I'm sorry, when my, my question before was going about that middle ground thing, there are, sometimes things are confusing because things are not black and white as far as and um, people coming up to you and asking questions because that was something interesting at Disney because I wasn't exactly sure how to handle that. And I'm learning that there's no all or nothing on that. You know, there are times as somebody training a dog and handling the puppy, um, and as I'm learning or whatever, that I do have the patience to sit there and ask and, and answer a question or two if somebody asks me. But sometimes I worry because I understand I am a very big person on representation. And if I am doing something, I am therefore professionally representing an organization or a company or so I don't want my dog doing something really wrong and me doing something wrong um, you know that may look bad to people who need you know who have service dogs who are training um, because that gives the service dogs a bad appearance to begin with you know that's a service dog you know and then it gives it a bad name you know it's no different than if i'm at the iacp and i'm a volunteer and i'm acting inappropriately that negatively reflects the iacp so i'm not going to do that i'm going to make sure i'm professional and that i handle things correctly um so there is that's another thing that there's a lot of ambiguity ambiguity about um because there are times I don't mind answering the questions and then there are other times I'm just like, do you not see? It says do not pet, do not touch, do not talk, whatever. And that's a hard one for me. If Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that because that's, 
confusing to me personally as to when it's appropriate, when it, because again, it's not black and white. Oh, exactly. It's not. It's always shades of gray. So with that, uh, there's two questions that people can ask. Is that a service dog required because of a disability? And what tasks or, uh, or tasks has the dog been, uh, worker tasks has the dog been trained to perform? Well, for that, it's the gatekeepers. So it would be like if you're going into Walmart, it's the greeter there. Right. right? It would be the manager. It may be the grocery store. Uh, you know, it, it's not that you have to answer every weirdo who comes up to you and, and asks you a question. So, you know, you can be in line at a store and have 20 people come up to you and ask you the same thing. Or, or is that a service dog? I don't think that's really a service dog. And at first, it's not their job to worry about it. There is no service dog police. Uh, you know, as long as the gatekeeper is good with you, you're good to go. And you know what? It's supposed to be if it's not readily apparent that the dog is a service dog. So the dogs who are vested, who it says that the dog is a service dog, mm -hmm. should not have the problems that other dogs have. But the problem you run into is nosy people. And sometimes for them, it could be the very first time they've ever seen a service dog. Um, or, you know, the last one they saw was a, a good one or a bad one or someone let them pet them and now you don't want them to pet them. And you, they're like, what the heck? I got to pet the last, you know, three service dogs I got to see. Um, so for them... Uh, it's a combination of resting bitch face, which works out really good for me. Uh, you know, sometimes I will talk to them. Sometimes if I ever hear them say, you know, what a nice dog or whatever, you know, thank you. I do appreciate that. Um, but I'm not going to tell them my whole medical history. I'm not going to tell them my whole life story. Uh, a lot of times I don't have the energy. You know, you've heard the spoon analogy. Yes. For, for if you haven't, uh, you have so many spoons to get through the day. And, you know, having a shower is a spoon. Getting dressed is a spoon. You know, maybe making breakfast is three spoons. So, you know, once you run out of spoons, you're done. So those spoons can be used up by answering the same question 20,000 times. Right. Um, or by actually getting what you need to get done, done. So there are times that I'm nice and I'm pleasant and I talk to them and I answer any question that they have. And there are times I'm like, look, I've just got to do this. I usually will give them a card. We have a bunch of service dog information on the website. I know trainers or handlers, actually owners, who will make up a card for their dog. Picture, hi, my name is, I am a blah breed. You know, these are the tasks that I do. Um, here's pictures of me. Here's my Instagram handle. Here's my YouTube account. Here's my Facebook page. Then if people are interested, they can go for that. But, you know, I don't. I'm not going to give them my life history. I don't right. have the time for well, that. Well, devil's advocate, though, okay? Um, if I'm going to do, like, a quick commentary as if, you know, you're yeah. the person with the service dog and I'm the novice who knows nothing. Now, we get a no which I am. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know nothing, but anything, whatever. Um, the fact of the matter is we get annoyed at people and their ignorance and their lack of education but then on the flip side of that, we get annoyed when they're asking us questions. You know what I mean? So oh, it's yeah. kind of, because honestly, I had some, I, I bring Riley to my dog, Riley with me to my therapy appointments all the time, you know, and they're, most of them are used to being there. And a guy came over, he was sitting down, he happened to be sitting next to me, he didn't come over to me for that, but he was sitting down next to me and he, he actually, I was appreciative of his, the way he respectfully, respectfully asked me, um, would you mind if I asked you a question? I was like, okay, you know, and I'm waiting for that, uh, what's wrong with you question, but he said, I know they say you're not supposed to pet a service dog or, or distract a, but nobody ever says why. 
I have no idea why that's not okay. What What is the big deal of asking somebody about a service dog? And, you know, now I could have been a bitch at that point and said, <laughs> uh, go online, figure it out or whatever. But he was sincerely asking me. So that's, you know, on the one hand, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't sometimes for the general public. We get annoyed that they're ignorant and don't know but then we're annoyed when they ask us the question. So where's the middle ground on that one? Right. And that's where, you know, we do the podcast, we do the webinars, we have, um, we've done infographics. You know, we try to put a lot of stuff out there. So if somebody Googles service dog stuff, hopefully they can find it and learn. Um, usually, like I said, I'm fine asking it. So if, you know, if he would have asked me, why can't you? Well, because the service dog's supposed to be focused on the handler. And if you come up and pet him, he's going to first look for everyone else in the world who will pet him, everyone else in the world who would give him a treat. And it takes his focus off of me, which is where it should be. And he could miss something that he right. needs. Uh, now on the flip side of that one, right. as a service dog trainer, I need to proof that. So my golden is 13 months old and loves everybody. We're actually doing a, uh, a workshop today with her. And she wanted to go say hi to everybody. <laughs> Which is a bunch of trainers. So, you know, if you're going to have your dog go and greet a whole bunch of people, that's who you want them to go and greet. Right. But part of me is like, are you kidding me? So she was off for four or five months. I couldn't train her out in public because of the hot spots. So she's a little back on what we need to work on. Um, but that's on me to train her better. So what I work on is, is she's at my side. You can come up to me and we can have a whole conversation and she's not going to look at you once, even if you call her name. Right. So it's all the training there. And like I said, I'm usually really good with helping people out because I, like I, said, I know it's the first time. But there are those times where I'm just struggling yeah, to get from point A to point B and I can't do any detours. And usually my, my resting bitch face keeps mm -hmm. people away um and then usually whenever i'm out well, like that rich is with me so he answers the questions at that point right. you know and i might even refer to him but that's too you know i would do up every service dog handler i think needs to have an instagram and or facebook and or web page you know you can do them through uh, what's mine or through wordpress i think wix does you know, there's some really easy to do. And if you have the information up on there, you know, then you can send people. They can learn more about you if you want, more about your dog, if you want more about service dogs in general. Uh, you know, if you don't have a website you don't want one, you can always feel free to use mine, guys. Put my my card, you know, dreamk9.com on your business cards and hand them out to people. Um, more information, the better, right? How to Train Your Service Dog Absolutely. podcast. Listen to that. Because uh, it is. It is difficult for for the people. You know, but on both ends. Right. And the media does a poor job at differentiating between service dogs, emotional support, therapy dogs, and pets. Uh, you know, the people themselves do a poor job with what terminology you're going to use. So you have people who, you know, call them service dogs, some people who call them assistance dogs, some people who call them assistant service dogs. You know, like it doesn't end. Right. Uh, you know, well, what's she do? Well, she makes me feel better. Well, that's not a service dog. Right. But until I think it gets more mainstream, that's what's going to have to happen. You know, the, there's a show called on ABC called Speechless with Minnie Driver. And they have a boy who doesn't talk in a wheelchair with like a laser pointy thing. And okay. he has a, a, a service human, I guess, like who, okay. who, who speaks for him. Right. And they got a dog and the dog failed out of 
um, guide dog school, service dog school, right? Because, like, he would retrieve, but he'd only, like, retrieve bananas. So he kept bringing him, like, all these bananas. And, like, he'd turn on and off the lights constantly. Like, he wouldn't just do it on command. <laughs> and it was so funny. And, you know, it's a golden retriever. So, you know, like I said, we like to show... We like that, you know, they have the dog that we like that the dogs are going to retriever, but that could have been such a platform for how to do service dog because the whole concept is this mom is like a tiger mom who will fight for her kids. Right. You know, the, the one who has the disability and the two that don't have the disabilities, she will fight for all of them to make sure that her son is treated, you know, as well as possible. So... It, it could have been such a great platform for it. I'm hoping they do because it's not, it's not service dogs aren't mainstream. Right. You don't see them out. Uh, and, and the one show that I did see that had service dogs on was training service dogs was some animal planet show a while ago. And it was terrible. They took these shelter dogs, which there's nothing wrong with using shelter dogs. Oh, and like two, let's work with them for a couple weeks, right? Okay, now let me take him for 10 days to two weeks. Now he's a service dog. Well, it right. takes more than a month to train up a service dog. Right. You know, they didn't show any temperament testing that had to be done. They didn't show medical testing that had to be done. You know, the minimum, minimum, minimum of six months of training intensively that had to be done, all the public access work, all the task work. It was just, you know, wave the magic wand of TV and bam, the dog's a service dog. Right. You know, there was one of them, a Great Dane, and I believe the dog was like four years old when they got started doing it. It was for mobility and heavy mobility because the the girl, she was a little tiny thing, but Mm -hmm. still, you know, was leaning on him and and he was helping her walk. Oh, I saw that, the little girl in school. Right, and I'm like, that that dog needs to be, you know, like, that didn't show, and that would have been something that editing needed to include was that you had to get the radiographs done. Or people are going to go to shelters, say, you know, well, who, in like four weeks, I can have this dog be a service dog. Right. And that's not the case. So come on, Hollywood. If you guys know anyone in Hollywood, forward them this podcast. <laughs> I would be happy to help them out. Right? Me too. <laughs> but I also wanted to add one more thing, and that is I've seen it a lot, on, especially on your site, from comments that people make. Um, because I've been on that the end of a lot of your um, the people that are responding to yep. your thing. There's a lot of shaming. Yes. And it's really, it's terrible. It's, you know, somebody goes on to, and I've never seen it, obviously, from you. You're the one who's always, you know, building somebody up, which I think is beautiful, which is why I stay on that site. And I do go to you and I ask you my questions because you're very good at not shaming and encouraging. But, you know, the fact of the matter is a dog is going to be an SDIT until it becomes a service dog. And yet... They're so people are so quick to say, "Oh, it's a fake service dog. It's got this vest on." And and I mean, my dog, it, the the vest always said in training because, God forbid, he made the slightest bit of mis- a mistake, you know, anywhere in the store. To me, that was going to give service dogs a bad name in general. Like I said, I'm always very aware of how my actions affect an organization as a whole. Um, I mean, God, I I wouldn't smoke in my car forever because I put placards on that said my company name and all I kept thinking was if somebody sees me smoking in the car god I don't want them watching my dog they're smokers you know so I'm aware of that kind of stuff you know not that that was a bad thing I mean not smoking in the car turned out to be a great thing but regardless that's not where I was going with this can you see the ADHD just a little bit um See, I said I have a good sense of humor around it, but but seriously, there is just too much shaming, you know. Yes. And and somebody who is real, like myself, who's really trying to do the right thing, 
doesn't want to do anything wrong, is trying to learn the ropes, be appropriate, um, you can knock somebody right out of doing this yeah. by, by putting them down or making them feel, you know, and that's why I brought up about the guy asking me the question in the doctor's office because I answered him exactly the same way that you did which I was proud of, but at the same time, in the back of my head was all the other posts saying, don't ask questions, leave, and I'm thinking, Every, you know, am I doing something wrong by sitting here and answering his questions? And it made me doubt myself because there is so much shaming going on. You know, yes, I realize there's a lot of fake service dogs going on, and there's a lot of fraud, but there's also people like me that are really trying to do the right thing and trying to learn, and you'll shame us right out. Not you. I'm, I'm no, saying no, you, no. you meaning the general public or people who are snobby about their service dogs. Yeah, yeah. You, only one of my out. service dogs is the right service dog. Right. Those service dogs are the right. bad ones. Right. Yeah. You well, shame people right out of. Yeah. Well, a lot of programs, from what I understand, from hearing it from this person to this person to this person, is a lot of the programs are the ones who started the whole fake service dog kick. Because if you think about it, if legislation is gonna get passed on service dogs, who are they gonna talk to? The biggest programs. They're not gonna come and talk to me about it. Right. You know, I help owner trainers they're train their service the dogs. They're going to go to the big ones, and they're going to find out exactly what's needed. Well, do you think them are going to that the people there, the big organizations, are going to say, "Well, it should be okay to do it yourself"? No, they're not. They're going to say, "You must do it by an organization to make sure that those fake service dogs aren't out there." Right. And that is totally the wrong way to go about it. And some of the dogs might have a bad day. So Gypsy, I told you she was up there. She was wanting to go say hi to people. Uh, she knocked over a PVC and she went to pick it up, which was fantastic. But you know, <laughs> then she wanted to go get pets. And I'm like, that's not so. Whenever we went out again to do a gait analysis, I popped her vest off. I'm like, there's no sense. But she's also, you know, a little stressed. She's been here for a few days. It's a lot for a dog. Yes. And even though we have Gypsy and Roma here and we're trying to swap out on them, you know, it is difficult. One of the great things is this hotel, guys, is Tradewinds and St. Pete Beach. Oh, wow. You know, they're so dog friendly. They have a doggy um, room service menu. You can yeah. get a mutt meatloaf, fajitas, fajitas. Like, there are so <laughs> many things you can get for your dog here. But they also have a small dog park. So we try to get down there for... Oh, and all along the beach are uh, doggy poop bag uh, and garbage disposals all around. Even nice. if you look right outside our door, there's like four of them. Uh, like every 20 feet or whatever, there's another poop bag, disposal bag. Nice. They're awesome. They made it really, they made it nice. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, and, and having the dog park gives the dogs a chance to stretch their legs. Right. They're out there. I try to get out there with them at least for 45 minutes to an hour in the mm -hmm. morning. So they can play. And that's, they're playing with the other dogs. They get that deep, the Stress, yeah, decompression, de-stress time, and it's really nice because it is. It's hard on us, you know. We're exhausted. It's hard on the dogs, uh, and uh, you know sometimes they're gonna react. You know, a dog barked in one of the workshops today, and Gypsy barked back at it. I told her that's not what we do. She saw one of the girls, one of my friends, and she wanted to go say hi in the worst way, and I'm like, Gypsy. You know, but she's also a 13 month old puppy. You know, yes, I have her labeled as a service dog and not an SDIT because. Normally, she can pass her public access training, right? And she could do it right now, right here. And she has her two tasks that she's doing really well. 
but you know it's also stressful so you have to understand that for them and for us so with the dogs when you see the dogs out and you say i bet that dog's a fake that woman looks like she's fine what's wrong with her well come on guys if you're looking at the dog and you're like oh my gosh that dog is looking everywhere assume that the dog's having an off day you know don't assume that they're a fake or service dog team when do you assume that it's a fake or service dog team whenever the person comes up to you and they're like where did you get your vest because i need one right oh do you have a service dog well no i just want to take my dog anywhere isn't it so much fun that we can do this then you know that it's a faker Mm -hmm. um or if you have um you know, I, I would have people, especially when we were up in Gainesville, which has UF, which is University of Florida, you know, college town. I'd have parents and I'd have people call up, I want one of them service dogs. Oh, well, you know, what, what tasks? I'm trying to be, you know, polite here. What tasks would you like the dog to help you out with? Oh, nothing. I just, I just want to be able to take my dog. That'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, that's not how things work. And you know what's crazy? That I've heard it said numerous times what exactly what you just said it's so cool to be able to and what's really amazing is that people with disabilities use the service dogs to be normal like everybody else and yet somebody fakes an illness or a disability because they think it's a privilege when somebody with a disability doesn't think I, I would guarantee they would love for that to be nothing more than just a pet yeah 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 How i wish crazy. i didn't have to bring a service right. dog out with me because you know what you better get ready for fifty thousand questions and 50 interruptions from here to the car and back yeah yeah the worry that you know oh my gosh gypsy didn't make the height requirement that i wanted you know and my mobility's gotten really bad this past year that that's one of my top things that i need i need the medical alert i need the mobility i need this i need that i have a bunch of things that I need to train and now I have to train both of them. I have to train Gypsy and Roma. And then I still have arrows. So, you know, and then what happens, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, it is, it really is difficult for that. So it's something that, you know, when people see it, that, that's my big one. Now, a dog 20 feet in front on a flexi lead or a dog riding in the cart at the store, you know, I'm like, come on guys. You know, that's not appropriate service dog behavior. Service dog or pet in a vest. It's not appropriate. And I think until all the websites that say, you know, spend $60, spend $300, and your dog, too, will be a service dog and register. Fill out this two-question questionnaire, and we'll tell you if you're eligible. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're eligible for a service dog vest. But then that's breath. part of the public, too. Yes. If they see, oh, wait a minute, that's the U.S. Service Dog Registry of America states? Like, that's a fake one. And it's great whenever the companies see that and they say there is no certificate for this. There is no ID. Well, some people have ID. Some people have ID, you know, um, and I need to get one for all of mine saying, you know, picture of us together that, you know, in case of emergency, contact this person. You know, here's where we live. Here's what he does. Just so we have that my vet's information on there uh, for emergencies but it, the whole right. flashing you know do you have your id it's not a driver's license guy right. <laughs> and it can't be a driver's license for many numerous reasons um you know maybe in the future it will be but right now i don't see that happening so i have one more question for you okay 
I know I can go on and on forever, but I know we're gonna have to wrap this up eventually. Um, I'm just having so much fun. Good. Uh, no, it's not just fun. It's it's really educational. I really, you know, there's so many questions, and for a lot of us, there's no place, no outlet for a lot of these questions. But okay, so that being said, just say this is where I want my career to go. Uh, as I had mentioned. Um, Yes, I've got a million and one things wrong with me, but the fact of the matter is I don't require right now a service dog for daily living skills. I can walk. Yes, I just had major spine surgery. I'm walking. I'm talking. I can reach for things. I can grab things. I don't need when something falls on the floor a dog to pick it up. Uh, my memory is not bad enough yet that I, I can still remember uh, you know, to take the meds or whatever. The fact of the matter is, I don't require medically or emotionally, whatever, a service dog. So as somebody who's branching out in that field, how do I answer those questions? If I've got a service dog in training and I'm trying to, you know, and I'm training it, and they say, and I walk into a restaurant, is that a service dog? What ta- uh, you know, and what tasks do they do or do they perform for you or whatever? Um, how do you answer that? Because they don't, I don't need it. Right. Okay. But I want, you know, I've got to learn how to do this somehow and I'm not going to learn it sitting there reading a book. I've got to be doing it. You do. Yeah. Especially since you are a tactile learner. Yes. So uh, you need to check with your state laws to see what they say. Okay. So I don't think honestly any state is going to say, because you, Suzanne, I know you are a professional dog trainer, right? Right. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to say oh, I'm going to prosecute you because you shouldn't have had this dog out here claiming it's a service dog and training for this person whenever you're not the disabled one. But some states are different. So in Florida, how it goes is a service dog in training has the same accessibility as fully trained service dogs. New York too, I did look. Perfect. And their trainers also have the same accessibility. Ah, okay. That I didn't. That so, part they didn't specify. Right, and I don't know the exact terminology, guys. I am not the legal mind. I am the dog training mind. But it's nice because you have that. So, um, for example, uh, we have Gypsy, who's the service dog, and Roma, who's the service dog in training. Um, Rich and Luke are working her while we're here. Now, I know it's a pet-friendly hotel, but if it wasn't, they're still professional dog trainers. So Luke can go and take one of the dogs out. He and he and his work dogs at Disney for us, you know, for the last few years. Right. Uh, and, and it's fine because of that. Now, just because okay. I have a service dog, I'm not diabetic. So right. Arrow, we taught him, we taught one of our other dogs, um, blood sugar alerts. Well, if I'm not diabetic, even if he knows that, or a client dog I'm working who's a diabetic alert dog, he, he's not my service dog because that's not my issue. Now, if I'm working with a dog for mobility, right, and I could use some of that, or I'm using it for medical alert for what I have, and I could use that, technically, when I'm out, the dog could be seen as mine. But I know talking with trainers and talking with people, talking with owner trainers all across the country, some of them you have to be with an organization. Mm -hmm. Some of them you have to be a professional trainer. Well, how do you tell that? Well, you know, we're members of IACP, professional organization. You know, I've got certified dog trainer up the wazoo. Uh, You know, and I highly recommend that, you know, CGC evaluator. Uh, you know, I always recommend that. Uh, but 
the CGC, that's the bare minimum. You know, I want public more. Public access. Yeah, so you can work the public access stuff. And then I think it's huge to have a community, a supportive community, and that's where our Facebook group, the How to Train Your Service Dog, comes in. Now, we have professional trainers on there. Um, we have people who are just learning about service dogs on there. We have people who have them. We have people who have service puppies, you know, right, the new ones. Um, we have people who come to our group classes, people who have worked with us, and people who we have never met, nor will we ever meet. Um, but the nice thing is, you know, we need to do a wee bit of monitor, moderating, I guess, on that one. But it is a nice place to ask questions, to bounce ideas off yes. of people. Because it is hard to find that. And people do get embarrassed about asking questions. Uh, you know, one of the nice things is I get to bounce ideas off of Rich. You know, I've, I've got people that I get to, you know, talk to. Legal-wise, I'm the woman who co-wrote the book with me. Um, the Service Dog Information Every Handler Should Know book. It was written by uh, my friend Teresa, researched all those laws. I did the training stuff in the back and right. compiled it all. <laughs> but she's the one who researched all of it. And then we put all of that stuff together. So it's really great that, you know, I can ask her. So, you know, if there's a question, I'm like, hey, Teresa, what's, what do we do for this? Right. And, and she's happy to help. Um, so, you know, I think you need to have that support team, that, that network, because I don't know all the answers. You know, I'm not going to ever know all the answers because there's always going to be something that's weird. So I try to go by what I can and what I can't do. For example, we have a dog we're working with right now teaching gluten alert. I have not done gluten alert. I have an idea of how it's done. I know nose work, you know, like I can teach that. But, to you know, whenever she came out and we, we talked, I told her that. I said, I don't know how to do gluten alert, but I'm willing to learn and I know how to do scent work stuff. So, you know, we're working on that together. Right. But, you know, we were able to do the public access training. We were able to do, you know, some other stuff with them as well. And it's neat learning the new thing. Do you have a website um, or a link to a public service? Like, a, have you walked through with the video, the public service, like what you would do for a public service test, what that requires? And uh, the public access the test was one of the last podcasts. I will try to remember to put a link in the description. Cool. But we did that, and now um, one of the talks here at IACP was on the IACP public access test, which is very, very, very similar to what we were doing. Um, I'm sure once I actually see it in print, because I'm a very visual person that way, I need to see it in print. They talked about it, but I don't remember everything that's on it. Right. But, you know, part of that, you know, we'll just do them through that instead of doing our own. So, like I said, very similar. I do want to get... Gypsy recorded for it. I'll get Roma recorded for it. I might do Arrow, but I'm kind of waiting would, for it to I cool. would definitely love to walk through that with you, so to speak, right. on, uh, on, you know, as a video. And um, I think, again, me being a visual learner, um, I could sit and read it in a book. And if you gave me a checklist, I can follow that. But um, watching somebody walk through that is very yeah. helpful for me that I can pause and say okay I want to practice this and then I could turn it back on again and pause it you know like I absolutely love love coming here um but I personally I love volunteer I do a lot of volunteer work for the IACP I love the organization with every ounce of my being I used to be on information overload um with all the seminars and that's one of the reasons I get much, much more out of the one-on-one -on -one networking and talking to people than sitting in a seminar for two hours 
where the first half hour I was good and I was paying attention and the next hour and a half I'm reminding myself to stop fidgeting and pay attention. That just doesn't work for me and then I get frustrated and I end up getting up and leaving. So I would rather devote the time here to being in a place where I can talk to people one-on-one. I get a lot out of that and then do the live um, streaming when I get home because then I, when I start getting on overwhelm, I can hit pause, walk away, do what I need to, come back to. Um, I just, listen, I teach sit and stay. It doesn't mean I know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. Right. So what is your dog training company and where can people find you online? I am homeinsteadofalone.com. Uh, I am on Long Island. Um, I do a lot of obedience work. I do uh, a lot of puppy training. Uh, right now, we're, we've kind of stepped away a little bit from the larger aggressive dogs only because I just had spine surgery four, weeks, uh, four months ago, and uh, you need to be at your best for that, and I'm not, I'm not there right now. So I've kind of stepped temporarily away, uh, but I do have other people, other tra- local trainers that I've networked with that I can refer to uh, if that's the issue and somebody needs help with that. Um, and I am working towards, I've been on the IACP therapy dog committee for a while, uh, for a couple of years now, learned a whole bunch, and I'm really working towards, um, I really want to branch out to the service dog. It's something that has been near and dear to my heart since that golden retriever helped me to my first meeting. And um, if I can do that for someone else, if I can teach them to gain some independence and confidence the way my golden gave me that that first meeting then it's it's been a hundred percent every ounce of work and education i've put into when i help that for it's like recovery when you help his first sponsee it makes it so worthwhile it really really does and that's you know to me it's what it is so uh the telephone number it's uh what is my number uh 516-749-8302 how often do you call your own cell phone right right um but the website is homeinsteadofalone.com perfect thank you and this has been victoria warfel with dream dogs and our podcast is how to train your service dog uh, we have a Facebook group also called How to Train Your Service Dog. Uh, very supportive, very awesome. Go ahead and check that out. If you go to howtotrainyourservicedog.com, that is our online training program. And if you go to our main website, which is Dream Canine, D-R-E-A-M, the letter K, the number nine, dot com, and you check out our service dog training program and put in your email address, you will actually receive the first module of our online course, our service dog course, in an email at no cost. All it costs you is your email address. So go ahead and check that out. Check out home instead of alone. And we will catch you on the next one.